There's a reason many professional riders are such big fans of Neutrina's Pro Force feeds. Winners align themselves with winners, and they know choosing high-quality nutrition is one of the biggest ways to give their horses a leg up in the arena. ProForce is the only feed on the market with rebound technology that helps your horse recover faster so you can keep winning. All ProForce products also include marine source calcite to support gastric health and help maintain normal stomach pH. Visit NeutrinoWorld.com for more information. Fuel the win with ProForce. I am. I am. I am. I am a young. I am a young. I am a young. I am. And I am a young black, a young black, young black, a young black, black, black equestrian, 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 black equestrian, equestrian, black equestrian, equestrian, I'm a young black equestrian. I am a young black equestrian. Hey, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Young Black Equestrians with your host, Abriana Johnson. I am so happy to be back on another episode um, a couple days late, but you know what? Better late than never, right? Better late than never. I hope that you have been really enjoying the episode so far in this season, season six. Um, this episode, um, obviously, there is no guest. It's just me. But I wanted to have a quick conversation that was inspired by one of the YBE fam, Kimmy. If you don't know, um, or if you're not in the Facebook group, Kimmy was sending out, um, you know, <laughs> a prayer request for a horse that she was going to look at. And then on Winter's Circle Wednesday, she came back and told us that she uh, she ended up getting the horse. So super duper happy for her. Um, it's been a long time coming uh, for her to, you know, be in this this horse buying process. Um, ever since that I met her, well, we haven't met in person, but when we became familiar with each other. Um, over a year ago now, um, she has always been, you know, talking about that she wanted to get a horse, but she wanted to get back into lessons, wanted to get back with a trainer, all this stuff. She ended up moving to Florida. So it was kind of a, a whole big thing. Um, but now, you know, after about a year, she is settled in and she's um, purchased a horse of her own. So during Winter Circle Wednesday, I asked her what was kind of the biggest um, thing that she learned from the entire process. Um, it, you know, it took a year for her to find something that really suited her. And um, she said that, um, I guess one of the biggest lessons for her was to um, not only be patient, but to find the right team, find the right team of people to help you so that you know that you're making the right decision. And so that kind of resonated with me and really stuck with me. And which is why I wanted to do this episode 
from that and some of the, um, you know, questions that I get via email and via DMs, there's a lot of people who come to this platform specifically who are new to horses or new to horse ownership. And there have been several episodes about, or there's an episode called um, Tips for First Time Horse Owners. And, um, you know, some just different tips kind of trickled into a lot of the episodes really. So, um, you know, when people ask like, oh, what is, what about this? What about that? You know, I usually send them links to specific episodes. Like, hey, we talked about a lot of stuff in this episode, but we also talked about that. So um, today I wanted to, just talk about a little bit more about building a team and and what it looks like to have a team when you are um, in the horse world and in owning owning a horse. So <clears throat> when I um, if you don't know, my background is in veterinary medicine. Um, I animal science degrees, master's degree, and uh, worked in veterinary practice and for large and small veterinarians. Um, so that's, so the, the, the thought of teamwork or understanding that there's like a medical team is very natural for me. When it comes to horses, it was always very important to me to have a team of people around me that could not only you know, help me in the capacity that they, you know, serve their, their profession, but also, um, give me advice or direct me and put me in the right direction for the, the places that I was trying to go simply because of their network. And because we, you know, as a veterinary professional, I'm very close to farriers, very close to, um, trainers and all that we all work together for the betterment of the animals. Right. And so when it comes to the, the team that I developed when um, I got my horse, um, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't perfect. And that's what Kimmy said. She said that it takes some time to find the right team um, to help you, you know, pursue whatever goal it is that you want to pursue. And a lot of times we think that our first interaction with someone or our first try at finding this, this team, this group of people, the support system, that it means that you shouldn't be in this industry. This industry is not for you. And it's hard. It's hard. I'm not. I'm not saying that that's not a valid um, concern, but we also need to understand that not everyone is for us, and we are not for everyone. And so, instead of the next thought being "this industry is not for me," it should be "okay, this place is not for me. This location, this person, this circumstance." This situation is not for me. This is what I want to do. So I need to keep looking. I need to keep searching. And honestly, that is how this podcast came about. 
continuing to search for the place where I want to be, right? And ended up creating it. And so back to horse ownership, um, looking at a team, you know, you look for a trainer or a mentor, you look for a veterinarian, a farrier, community or some friends and any additional support. That is kind of the, the, the biggest roles in your kind of horsemanship, horsewomanship, um, horse ownership journey, right? Well, when I got my horse, um, I bought him as a sophomore. When, when I was a sophomore in college, I bought a weanling from the vet school. And I felt confident, not only because I was making a little bit of money and I could pay for them and it was fine, but I felt confident that I would be able to raise this baby horse because I did have a team. I had a mentor who, he was the one who showed me the horse anyway, um, but he taught me, you know, I worked at the, the equine education unit at NC State and he taught me everything. He taught me how to be resourceful, well, how to be more resourceful, how to fix fencing and how to deal with babies. I'm out here like foaling out mares and and handling stallions and he taught me so much that I felt like raising a baby horse was not going to be that difficult was not going to be not that it wasn't going to be that difficult but it was going to be something that I could do because I had support and so you if you haven't already listened to the episode that I did with my parents about um their role in in my horseman, horsewomanship, horse ownership journey. And, um, and you will see that they were there. They were also very supportive of me. I mean, hauling me places because I didn't have a, I had a Jeep. I didn't have a truck. My dad had the truck. Um, our family had the trailers. Um, I got a, this little rinky dink, po, po, po rinky dink, had a little rinky dink trailer. Um, moving my horse around, had a stock trailer um, that my family had, like there was, the support was there. And so I don't ever want people to think like, wow, you know, you did all this stuff on your own. Like, no, no, I had support. I had support. I was the ringleader. I was the one driving the boat, <laughs> but there was a lot of support there. And I was very strategic about where I found these, these support systems, because I knew that it was going to have to be someone who would let me make my own decisions, but support me along the way. And so I had a mentor, you know, he, he helped me. Um, I mean, he helped me on the front end by just teaching me how to, how to deal with baby horses. I mean, that was part of the work that I did in college. But on the back end, you know, if I ever had any questions or if my horse did something stupid, like one time he like scraped a giant chunk of his hair clean off his face, like it was about this big and it was just bald. And I was freaking out. <laughs> he was there to reassure me, like, girl, is he bleeding? Do, does he have two eyes and four feet? Okay, he's fine. <laughs> So it was the support needed in that capacity as well. Um, I didn't have a trainer 
I have a trainer. Who, who, who is that person that helps people train weanlings? Do you even know of a trainer that helps, like that starts with weanlings? I don't know of anyone that helps do that. So if you are looking for a, a, a niche in this industry, then maybe that's where you need to start. I feel like people just put weanlings in the pasture and let them um, grow up. And then they worry about training them when they're grown. Um, that's not what I did. I only had one horse though. So I could, I could focus on him. That was the goal was to focus on him. But I didn't have a trainer to help me like de deal with a weanling. And all I had was YouTube at YouTube University. Okay. So I was learning and navigating horse ownership at a very early age for me and for my horse um, through, through YouTube and through just asking questions to a lot of people who either, they may have never dealt with a weanling, but they dealt with troubled horses or problem horses. Um, so you never know what, where you're gonna have to find the information that you need but having a mentor or having a trainer that it that understands your goals but also gives you the flexibility especially if you are owning the horse or looking for the horse there there should never be a time where your mentor or your trainer is like um like absolutely not you will not be able to do this you will not be able to do this and that um as someone who has mentored other people and I mean I'm not a horse trainer at all but I will give someone advice it should never be like a you cannot situation it's like uh, I wouldn't recommend it from my experience that's not what has worked at the end of the day it is your decision you can decide to get yourself in a situation that is not good or you can make a decision that's aligned with the experience that your mentor has shared. It is up to you, but just know you should be able to make decisions on your own and, um, you know, base it on the experience of others. If you have that kind of trainer mentorship relationship, trust them, but also make decisions on your own. That kind of leads me into, um, my my farrier situation uh finding a farrier is critical because your horse needs their feet done normally or you will hear people say a whole range of cycles it depends it depends on the horse's workload it depends on your um their confirmation it depends on how much you're gonna ride. It depends on, you know, their their age, their their whole just body, you know, what is going on with them. Um, it depends on any past traumas or issues. There's so many things that that weigh into how frequently your horse's feet are done, whether they're shod or barefoot or in some sort of therapeutic shoeing situation. But for me, um, I think when my horse was a baby, I 
tried to do like six to eight weeks. Luckily, when um, after my horse started, he just was really antisocial and would not behave for anyone except for me. So I, that was when I had him home at my parents. Um, so I put him in a boarding situation. Oh, let me, let me talk about that first. Pause, rewind, a little tangent here. I made decisions that were not good. I put my horse in a, a boarding situation at the farm that I first learned to ride because it was super nostalgic. I'm like, oh my gosh, I first learned to ride here. This is great. It was not a good choice. He was busting out of the fence because they had a horrible fencing, unreliable fencing. The, it would just go out and my horse was Houdini and he would get out of the fence. Um, they, I realized, I went out there and realized that they were putting out like three flakes of hay for three, him as he was maybe a yearling, him as a yearling um, and two full-size grown horses. They were putting out three flakes of hay. And so he was always getting his butt kicked and he was like, I'm hungry. I'm hungry and ain't no grass out here so I'm gonna go outside the fence where there's grass and then it's like you know I can't blame him for jumping the fence or running through the fence or going under the fence I can't blame him because he's hungry and so then he was stalled and they sent me pictures of him climbing up the stall and I'm like okay I'm gonna move my horse because this is a bad situation so I have made I have definitely made mistakes but I realized very quickly, I mean, he was maybe there for two months that that was not the environment for us. And there was never like a, let's figure this out together. It was like, what's wrong with your horse? And for a baby that young, nothing What's wrong with him. He's being a horse. So anyway, back to the farrier situation. When moving my, my horse, I, um, decided to board with some friends who actually had his older brother um older full brother and it was really cool it was fun it was nice to have some support you know I didn't have to go feed all the time we could um help each other out um yeah it was it was great and then they introduced me to their farrier and so um, you know, I'm just really wanting to learn and wanting to understand what is required for my horse. I'm like, ah, I'm gonna keep him barefoot. I ain't obviously I'm not putting shoes on him as a baby. So what is necessary? And I remember him saying like, oh, walking horses are supposed to have super long feet. So it helps them like do whatever. And I'm like, nah, he's not doing any of that. And he's like, oh, well, you know, this is normal. This is normal for their breed. And I was just like, okay. So he, there was a lot of, um, you know, learning that my horse had to do, like how to stand for a farrier, but um, it gave me a starting point to say, hey, okay, these are the things that we need to practice, like standing still and like picking up your feet and knocking down your feet and dealing with people who are not me. That was a big thing for him. Um, but discovered very quickly that that farrier was not right <laughs> and I didn't like how the farrier handled my horse and so um 
I ended up using the, the farrier and the only farrier that I have used since, which is my farrier Lillian. And um, she was someone who educated me on what she was doing, why she was doing it, and um, what I needed to do to keep up, like to maintain. And so that was very important to me because I was learning and I was really just trying to understand what I needed to do and what was extra. Cause there's always extra. There's always extra in the horse industry. There's always extra, but there are so many ways to do this, this horse thing that you really just need to figure out what works for you, what is necessary, what works. So I think I got Maestro on like a like six to eight week cycle and she gave me a rest. I could clean him up in between. He was growing awkwardly, like butt high one week, hide the withers the next week. And so he kept getting chips in his feet and it was just, get white line because his feet were growing so fast and we were in a very rocky place and it was just a lot it was just a lot and so I had to learn how to manage where we were because of our environment and because of his growth and so my fairy was very influential in that process you know to help me figure out what was going to be the next step for him you know we almost got to the point where like his feet keep cracking we might have to put shoes on them but I changed environments and we did not have to do that because he was not he was no longer in a rocky place so having a, a trainer mentor is critical but also having a farrier on your team that takes the time to listen to you and teach you about what um, is required for your horse or what is normally necessary and then catering that to your circumstance if you have a special case which a lot of us do next as a veterinarian um i feel like this is um something that i rely on heavily just because that was the the my profession for a very long time not a veterinarian but my industry being in the veterinary industry for a long time so yeah i do believe having a veterinarian is very important um but i do know that it is not the very first stop for a lot of people and that's just reality a lot of times veterinarians talk over your head or they think that you don't know what you're talking about or they are they don't have very good bedside manner that's what they say for doctors and i completely understand the hesitancy that comes with choosing a veterinarian and making sure that there's someone that's gonna be available to you um, when you need them. A lot of barns do like group veterinary services like shots and um, Coggins and things like that, but a lot of barns don't. You know, you just call whoever you want to call whenever you want to call them. So based on your environment, based on your, your location, based on the overall kind of, what is the word that I'm looking for? 
um, I guess the common practice in whatever barn environment you're in, whether it be self-care or you're in a barn with a bunch of other people, you know, just figuring out if you can get in touch with that veterinarian and, and actually have a conversation about things when it comes to your horse. Because from, you know, doing pre-purchase exams to actual in injuries to routine things like I feel more confident in my ability as a horse owner when I know the veterinarian and the veterinarian knows me. And so my, my, my first veterinarian, um, I was, I got pretty close to because I was a student who wanted to be a veterinarian. And so that vet helped me with my equine public health program that I ran my senior, senior year of college. And I was bringing um, veterinarians out to the trail rides and stuff to do Coggins and answer questions. Um, we've, we got very close simply because of my uh, initiative in the industry. And so after, after I moved, um, I got another veterinarian and mentor who I would actually work with. And um, he would just look out for me. And I'm like, you know, he knew that I knew what I was talking about. So if I say, okay, my horse is sneezing. He's like, all right, do you want to do an exam or do you, you just need some SMZs? Like, what's up? And we would be able to have that conversation. I go pick up meds and it's fine. And everybody knows it, once you, you know, show yourself to be a competent horse owner, a lot of things get a lot more flexible with your veterinarian. If you say, oh, shoot, I went out there today and my horse has a laceration. I need bandage and supplies, but for whatever reason, you can't get them anywhere else. Maybe you don't have a tractor supply near you. You can call the vet like, you know what? not ready to really have an exam right now. It's just a laceration. It's not really that bad, but I do need bandaging supplies and you can go get bandaging supplies. We know how this works and you know that's how this works. Um, but if you are, you end up, you know, either not showing yourself to be really competent when it comes to uh, veterinary care of your horse like that, or if you are not familiar with a veterinarian enough to have that relationship, that ease in, in um, access won't be there. So having a veterinarian um, in your on your team and really being connected to them is is very important to me. Um, after after my mentor passed, um, I was on the search for a veterinarian, and my little brother ended up he started working for one. And they are really cool um, practice. Um, I just helped them with their new logo and all this stuff. So it became a lot more of a family situation. And he, you know, worked with me through all of the issues I had with my old horse. And he, um, you know, helped me as that horse transitioned and all that. So. I am very thankful that all of my um, relationships with the veterinarians that I've used have been actually pretty close, but I think it's 
truly because of my experience in this industry. So it may not be the same for you, but it is still very important and something that you should look to cultivate to have a veterinarian on your team when you own a horse. As a rider, safety is part of your routine. It's second nature. Does that mean safe isn't exciting? Or could safe actually make everything else possible, like jumping higher or making tighter turns? SAFE gives you the freedom to ride the way you love, and SAFE provides the controlled starch and guaranteed amino acids to give you confidence all of your horse's needs are met. Make SAFE exciting with SAFE Choice Feeds. Learn more about the full lineup at NutrinaWorld.com slash SAFE Choice. Um, the next type of person, I guess, next teammate um, is having a community or having a group of friends. Um, this is kind of where YBE comes in. <laughs> YBE comes in when you do not have those people for you in your day-to-day -day life, truly. But it was very important to me in my horse journey to find people that were either in similar situations as me, you know, raising babies, or they enjoyed the same things that I enjoyed, like trail riding, like just going out and having a good time. Um, I have friends from college now that like we will drive and meet each other on a trail. Like, girl, what are you doing this weekend? You wanna go ride? Let's go. And there's nothing like, you know, being able to go to the barn, especially as an owner, if you're not in a barn that's like got rules and stuff like you can only ride between this and this mm -hmm. um it is so nice to be able to just say okay you y'all want to go ride what you doing this weekend you want to go ride and having that community feel like you can enjoy your horses without expectation of them achieving something like did we die no okay that's the achievement right <laughs> you get to the end of a trail that you have achieved the thing um but just being able to ride with people and being able to um you know share that love for the horse in the same space um you get to hear other people's experiences you get to learn from them um having a community or a group of people around you that have experience and where you want to go or what you want to do is so critical because you should not feel like you have to do this alone you should not feel like you are on this this horse having journey by yourself um i know that this kind of i feel like sometimes when people approach me you know, through listening to the podcast or YouTube or whatever, it seems like a really English heavy, uh, seems like this is an English heavy platform um, when truly it's not. It is, I, I believe it's because these English environments do not invite community. So people seek it elsewhere. And so they end up coming here um, because as I will say, and I, was, I feel like I say every episode, I did not grow up around 
you know, a bunch of white horsemen and women who, you know, didn't make me feel good. I grew up around black horsemen and women, black cowboys and black cowgirls and community and riding on the trails. And yeah, families have drama. There's a bunch of drama on the trail ride scene too, but we all know that we're going to get there on Friday night and we're going to eat some fish. And we all know that on Sunday, we're going to leave and we're going to pick up our trash and, you know, pray for travel mercies for everybody. You know, it's not going to be perfect, but there, the, the need for community is never going away. I mean, horses are herd animals. They always need to be in community and so do we. And so having friends around you, someone that you can connect with that can share experiences with you, whether if you are a parent and you need other parents to bounce ideas off of, like, hey, like, what am I supposed to be doing? How do I support my kid when they just fell off this 1200 pound animal? How do I support my kid when they got knocked on their butt and this is now terrifying? You know, you find communities that can support you. And if you cannot find them in real life, you find them online, you find them wherever you can. And they might not look like you. If that's important to you, keep looking. But finding um, people that you can ride with, finding people that you can, you know, hop in and, and like, hey, you got space in your trailer? bring my horse too. Let's go. Finding people that, um, I remember I went on a trail ride and I was putting my horse in my friend's trailer and I got my saddle, got my bridle. And I was like, "Mm, mm, mm." yeah. And we turned on the street to the trail ride. And I was like, dang, I forgot a saddle pad, but there was somebody there who had an extra saddle pad and I could ride with their saddle pad. It was bright pink. And y'all know I do not like pink, but there was a community there that supported me when I fell short. And you can't replace that in this industry. You truly cannot. And so if you don't have that, if you don't feel like you have that, then join the Facebook group, join the YBE fam. And um, we can be that community for you. You know, that is the goal of this platform. Um, and the last, oh, oh, before I move on, um, another thing about, you know, having friends that are doing things that you enjoy also. I have a friend, um, well, it's a group of us and two of us, um, it's where I used to, to live actually, me and the neighbor, we, um, have the horses but another friend of ours was like you know what I am so tired of y'all going off and going riding and I have to catch you when you get back like no I'm gonna learn how to ride and she has been riding at a reigning barn for the last two years and now like she's competing and me and the other girl like we're not competing (laughs) we're not competing anymore um 
you know, the, my neighbor, she was a barrel racer and I'm just like, I just like riding trails. Like I don't like doing any of that. And now we are like having to go to these raining competitions for our friend who just started riding and she's out there killing a game, black women, a lawyer, like doing it and doing it well. And that's the thing like even when you're looking for community or you're just looking for additional support if you have friends that are outside of the industry that are even slightly interested in what you got going on you know bring them along just say hey you know what i don't have anybody at my barn that can support me or be a groom for me while i am doing xyz can you just come and help me like having someone to pass you something or having someone to make sure you don't have dirt on your chaps before you go into the ring or having someone to make sure you don't have dirt or to make sure that your um your back number is straight those are not horsey things that they have to do but it's having that extra support there so that you know that you're not alone i mean it's priceless truly it's priceless it's priceless so that is a definitely an important part of this team that you need to cultivate when you are um, looking at horse ownership or, or even, you know, moving to a different place or buying a new horse or, or trying a new discipline. I mean, there's so much to look forward to and so much to look out for. And there's no reason for us to go out here and do it all willy nilly and do it all alone and have to, we'll learn the mistakes we, or we'll learn the lessons we need to learn from the mistakes that we make. But if we can avoid it because someone else made that mistake also, then we should, we should, we deserve that. <laughs> so those are, um, those are really the the critical pieces of the team that i think is the most important when you are considering horse ownership or a discipline change or actually competing or really anything i mean having those people around you is um comforting and it makes this journey and it makes this industry a lot more bearable. And so, like I said before, if you are looking for community, join the YBE uh, Facebook group. This um, coming up next month, there will be a virtual event. I haven't, I still haven't even posted it really online yet because I'm still getting my ducks in a row and these ducks they be rowing child they be rowing um but I'm having a virtual event it's called diversity on horseback and I hosted that in 2020 for the first time but I'm bringing it back and it's going to be an annual thing and my my vision for that is that for right now it is going to be virtual I know that a lot of people are relaxing their mask mandates and doing xyz i'm i'm good with another year of of chillery okay especially for something that i'm responsible for so um right now it'll be virtual um but the goal is to transition into more in-person experiences 
and meetups and encourage you, even if I'm not involved, to do the same for, for yourself. So um, yeah, diversity on horseback, the theme this year, last year, or 2020, the first year, the theme was, I think, community, community, mm, no, clarity, communication, and confidence. But this year, the theme is going to be owning the experience. And so I chose that theme because just from what I've seen in these internet streets and on Beyonce's internet, um, there's still that hesitancy or that expectation that you have to do the horse world, the horse industry, horse ownership, all that stuff. You have to do it a particular way. And if you are here listening to this podcast, you know that that way does not always work for you, right? That way is not, um, it might not make you happy. It might not make you comfortable. And so having these conversations and, and, you know, these interviews, they're all from people who have owned their experience and they are okay with talking about it. They might have not have always been okay with it, but they're okay with it now. And they're okay with sharing their lessons and their, their struggles and their accomplishments and their triumphs with you because it's just demonstrating what is possible for you as well. And so that's why this year's theme is owning the experience because no matter what it is you choose to do in this industry or what, it, what direction you choose to go, I want you to own whatever experience you craft for yourself. And so between the speakers, the live podcast episode, all those things, um, I want you to be able to own the experience that you create. I want you to be able to learn about that or see more examples of that in this event. So that's what that will be about. Um, I'm excited about it. Please stay tuned for more information about it. Once, once I get a little, little ducky, a little rubber ducky in a row, I will be posting more about that, but it will be March 11th and 12th. So put that on your calendar, March 11th and 12th. Um, time is to be determined, but right now I'm aiming for three o'clock. <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Young Black Equestrians, the podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player or over on YouTube. Comment below this video if you're on YouTube or leave a review on the, the Apple podcast and let me know what you thought about this episode. Can't wait to see you over um, on social media and then can't wait to see you at the Diversity on Horseback event as well. So 
Thank you for tuning in and I will see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to Young Black Equestrians, the podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player as well as over on YouTube. And you know what? Do me a favor. Leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. Doing that makes it so that this platform and this content get shared with Black Equestrians all over the world. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode and I will see you next time.